All right, good morning, everybody. This morning, if you want to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 120, that's where we'll pick up our teaching. We're going to be aggressive today, try to get through five. Oh, there's a hornet. Oh, he's going to bug everybody now. I got him. I got him. I got him. You're okay. We got you covered. Yeah. That's his daughter. He's hitting her. It's just, we don't normally do that if you're visiting. Well, that's a great way to start the study today. Kill the hornet. Okay. <laughs> we better go over some announcements if we can. Aaron, I'm sorry I threw that at you at the last minute. June 25th. Is that today? That's today. Okay. I don't know the date. Uh, kids, 13 to 18, join them out at the uh, Donaldson Park for walking tacos and uh, disc golf and then uh, teaching and, and so on out there at the, at the Donaldson uh, the club shelter right there by the skate park, I think, is where they're meeting. Uh, meeting today after second service for the Easter presentation. They're going to go over some things, and there's pizza this time. So if you're not involved in that and you want to be involved, this is a great time to just sneak in and peek your head in and get some free food in the process. Don't put your name down, then, you know, maybe they, you, know, you don't have to come back. But you might want to get involved in this. It's kind of a neat project that we're starting. And so um, that's today after second service. They're going to be in one of the big kids' classrooms back there, so they have some tables to look at some plans and so on. Brooks coming July 8th at 6.30. Join us for that and invite all your friends and, and spread the word as much as you can. We want as many people here as, as possible. July 23rd is our next baptism at the lake, and that is with... Uh, Grace, Calvary Chapel, and St. Joe. We'll be doing that again. We have the tacos and everything at 1 p.m. at the Host Lion Shelter, which is just off to the right here. Then we come down for baptisms and so on. So that's, that's the plan. Kids camp will follow August 2nd through the 5th. Uh, deadline's passed, so that's just to let you know what's going on and to pray for it. Second baptism is right after camp because some kids get saved during camp. We want to make sure we baptize them. And so we're having a pool party. We rented the aquatic center uh, August 6th from 7 to 9, we'll have pizza and hang out and do baptisms and, and water slides and diving boards and the whole thing. So that's our, that's our schedule through August. Uh, let's pray and we'll get started with, his, with God's word this morning. Lord, we thank you for, um, again, as Aaron prayed, all of us coming together to worship you, which is actually part of one of the Psalms. Um, the joy that there is and the calling upon our lives to do that, not just to have our own private walk with you, but to worship together. And, and we've done that this morning and are, and are in the process of doing that. We pray that you're blessed and honored in Jesus' name. Amen. The next 15 Psalms, Psalms uh, are, I was trying to appeal to both age brackets in our congregation. For some of you, it's a mixtape. 15 songs that the nation of Israel would listen to on their way to Jerusalem to worship. They would have to go, the males would go three times a year, and, and they would listen and sing these psalms on their way there, preparing their hearts for the act of worship when they showed up. Um, and then, so for the other group that don't know what the mixtape is, it's a playlist of 15 songs that you listen to as you move towards your destination. And, and for both groups, it, it, it's a road trip. You know, it's a, it's a wonderful uh, listen to on the road. And so that's what they would do. So as you, as you listen to this, as we go through these Psalms, keep that in mind. That's the heritage behind these Psalms. Now they're going to speak uh, to five different subjects for us this morning, but 
Um, that is the idea. You're going to progressively go through these psalms to get your heart ready to worship. Verse 1, Psalm 120. In my distress, I cried to the Lord, and he heard me. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you, or what shall be done to you, you false tongue? Sharp arrows of the warrior with coals of the broom tree. Woe to me that I dwell in Meshach, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. My soul has dwelt too long with one who hates peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. That's an understandable first start. It's been a long year, if this is their first feast of the year. And they've been dealing with the world and people that are in the world. And you're going to come and worship, and you got to get your heart right, and you know it's not. You feel dark inside, you've been battling. And so this is a great way to start. God, here's where I am, you know. He's got broad shoulders. It's not that we shouldn't worship God or praise him or give him glory and be joyful through all the things that God brings in our life. He's just honestly saying, here's where I am. I'm really tired of fighting with the lying lips and with those who want war with me. I don't want war, but that's what they want. And I get, well, I'm done with it. And so he brings it before the Lord, which is what God wants us to do. Um, I'm, I'm kind of careful in my own walk with the Lord that I'm not always in that mode. That, that isn't always what's on my heart. God, here are my problems. Here's the, I just, I, you know, I haven't talked to you in a while, but here's what's going on. And I got more problems. Could you deal with those for me? But it is a lot. I mean, I do have those like anybody else. And I got, God wants us to come to him like a father does. I want you to come and tell me your problems. I want to work things out with you. I want to help you any way that I can that's beneficial to you. As a parent, you always want to strengthen your kids, but you also want to protect your kids. And to find that balance, it's a little difficult sometimes. And so God wants to stretch our faith, but he doesn't want to break us. And so he tries to find that place. You know, that's perfect. Um, The scripture that came to mind for a cross-reference for this one, and I only have one for each psalm, is 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. And the reason I chose this is because as I read this psalmist writing this, these are things that he's put up with all year. It seems like he hasn't exactly uh, verbalized them. He's not warring. He's constantly trying to bring peace. But in the back of his heart, he's like, I am, I'm tired of arguing all the time with these people, you know, but he hasn't argued with them. So this is something he's kept inside. This is something he's kept between he and the Lord. And it, it reminded me of a proverb. Oh, there's my second cross-reference, which is unintentional. Um, that, that, a, that a fool displays his whole heart. That, that, that someone who is constantly regurgitating their feelings out loud all the time, um, that's a foolish person. We're not called to do that. Now, he's not saying lock it up deep down inside into a place and just forget about it. He's not... He does want us to talk about it with someone who can handle it, the Lord, you know, um, but not always verbalizing it all the time. Um, a fool vents all of his feelings. The, so First Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11, but the end of all things is at hand, Peter says, therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. And I think this psalmist has been doing that. 
He's been covering a multitude of sins. There's just this constant attack, but I'm not going to respond. There's this constant uh, arguing, but I'm, I'm going to try to bring peace. And so the love for this other person and not to destroy them or wreck them, you know, is, is well, he's got some things he needs to deal with and bring them to God. But he's also trying to cover over their sins. I think that's part of it, you know. Um, in marriage, uh, secular marriage classes, there's a lot of, it's 50-50. You're equal partners. You share the responsibilities. You, well, I guess, I, I mean, that's how the world deals with everything. It's 50-50. Um, but that's not how you help a marriage. You don't come into the marriage and say, look, I've given my 50. Where's your 50? You know, love covers a multitude of the lack of the 50 maybe on the other side, from either side at any given moment because nobody's ever right on 50 all the time. There's a love that's there that covers over a multitude of sins and that's forever if necessary. Not, there's no time limit on that. And so Peter says, as the end draws near and we're, we're, we're ready for Jesus to come back again, uh, have a fervent love for one another. Not, not just a little bit of love, not just a barely, but a fervent love. Because that love for that other person will cover a multitude of their sins. And you're so much better because of that. In your own heart. When you don't take it on. Be hospitable to one another. But be hospitable without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister or give it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers or serves, let him do it with the um, ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Serve one another in love cover over those sins, and, and he has, and he's doing it right. I haven't been arguing, I haven't been warring, but as I come to the Lord, and he knows my past, he knows what I've gone through, I'm bringing it to him. Psalm 121. I will lift up my eyes to the hills, from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. The hills the writer is talking about, the song of ascent, is you've come from the flatlands, from wherever you're traveling from, and you begin to see the hills of Jerusalem. Ah, there they are, you know. You know, we've come all the way across Nebraska and into Colorado, and we can see the mountains beginning, you know, that kind of thought. And as we've been, oh, it's boring and dry and flat, no offense, Kansas, but it's, uh, Nebraska, but there's Jerusalem. I can see the hills and your heart begins to be lifted up. Oh, we're almost there. We're almost going to be in the presence of God, almost going to be where I need to be, you know. And so they sing this song, there's my help. There's that place of refuge. There's that place that's home to me. There's that place that brings me peace. And they sing that. Wonderful place. Now, a lot of bold statements made in this psalm. 
I mean, he's going to keep you from all evil, and he's going to preserve you from the sun beating down on you. You know, there, there's a lot of promises there. There's a lot of things said, and, and, and some people are like, well, the sun's certainly hitting me, and I certainly do feel a lot of evil in my life. I don't know that I'm being untouched by these things, you know. So you sing psalms like this, and you wonder, well, what in the world? And, and I think, let me start with this. I think that's one of my biggest problems with um, the positive confession movement in the church. Positive confession. Um, it's not that I, I, I just don't like people doing that, you know. That's how it comes across sometimes. From the, I just hate that positive confession stuff, you know. Well, why? Because it hurts people. If I positively confess that I'm going to be wealthy or positively confess that I'm going to be healthy and then I'm not, the burden falls upon me. Something I did was wrong. I've fallen short because they told me that if I positively confess this, these things will happen to me as if God is obligated. Therefore, it's, you know, I make fun of it because it's like rubbing a genie. You know, give me three wishes, God. But the harm that it does to the believer is if these things don't come to pass, I must have, I must have done something wrong. It's, it's me. And that's not true. Not only does the rain fall on the just and the unjust alike, but so do hard times and difficult things. And here's how I pull all this together, and hopefully this will help you. Jesus has a conversation with Satan at the beginning of his ministry in, in, the, in the desert, Right? Let me go over that with you so we could, that's our base here for this psalm. It's in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. It's a long cross reference, fair warning. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they, when they had ended these difficulties, this, this temptation, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you, and their glory for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and their hands shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. He's never done, he's always coming back. It is true that those things were said about Jesus. You could throw yourself off, and the angels won't let it happen. And Jesus says, but I don't want to tempt the Lord. Now, here's the thing. Jesus' heart, his understanding was, of course my father can do that. Of course he said he'll do that. But there, there does come a time, and that's why he said throughout his ministry, it's not my time yet, 
Jesus had so given his life into the Father's hands that if he lets me fall off the temple and die, he lets me fall off the temple and die. If he stops me from dying and levitates me a foot away from the rocks, you know, and sets me down gently, then he, then he does that. But Jesus was always in a position to, but he doesn't have to do any of that at any time because I've surrendered that to him. Because there does come a time when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, weeping and crying and feeling the stress of the next day that's going to come upon him, the cross. He says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And he's placed upon the cross. He's whipped. He's beaten. That's a lot of sun from the psalmist's perspective. That's a lot of evil from the psalmist's perspective. But from Jesus' perspective, this is my Father's will. It's not those things. This is okay. I'm okay with this. I want your cup. I want to drink from, from your vessel, not from anything else or anywhere else. Positive confession, guys, I don't know what they do with that. He, he just positively confessed that it's not going to happen to him, but then it does happen to him because, well, what do you do? Did Jesus just not have enough faith? No, he surrendered. Um, the promises were real. God's word is true. But Jesus accepted the mission that he was called to by God and went through it. And that included beatings, that included rejection from his countrymen, it recruited ridicule from his family, it, it included being completely forsaken at the cross, it included, it included death, you know, all of that. And so although the psalmist is, is saying, you're going to keep me and do that, of course, of course, but there may come a time when as a, as a servant of God, as a bond slave of God, that, that protection and that covering, that keeping me from anything bad ever happening to me, I surrender that. Um, so when I go to pastor's conferences, I haven't been able, had the opportunity to teach this, but i there's a lot of teachings that go through my mind, what I'd like to say. <laughs> but I go like every other pastor. And, and to be honest with you, sometimes the pastor's conferences look like a bunch of shepherds in a bar. We don't drink, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that. But the, there's a looseness there. And there's a conversation about the sheep that takes place that's very uncomfortable for me. I don't understand where they're coming from sometimes as they complain and tell stories about the sheep. Um, which naturally leads to the log next logical step. Of course you want to quit. You don't understand that the fact that they can't defend themselves, that they don't feed themselves as you think they should, that they find themselves in difficulties and that they get sick sometimes, that would leave you without a position, sir. That's your job. That's what you're called to do. You're called to take care of sheep, and sheep do what sheep do. And you're there to help, and you're a sheep too. And your master, your the chief sheep, shepherd, takes care of you the same way. You're no different. So what is it that you want from your sheep? To, to have them work you out of a position to where you're no longer needed, you know? It, it, it isn't... 
easy to walk with Jesus. It, it is. It's very simple and it's lovely, but you, you do have to understand the mission. When, when Jesus calls his disciples, we're going to be fishers of men. Well, that's a lot, lot different than fishing for fish. I mean, we're using the analogy. It's the same idea, but it's different. There's, there's, a, lot, there's a lot more personal. You're invested you know, it's person to person. It isn't like you're just some master of the sea grabbing, you know, stupid creatures in a net and pulling them in. You're, you're dealing with, you know, there's a calling. And so I, 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 I maybe stretching this verse or this passage a little bit much, but when you read these kind of Psalms of nothing ever bad's going to happen to me because God can, please understand when you've, when you've made yourself his and a, and a child of his and a son of it, and, and Jesus says, you're going to take up your cross and walk with me. You, you need to expect, although he can keep your foot from dashing on the stone, he may not at one point because it's beneficial to his mission. If that makes sense. Psalm 122. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to the testimony of Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. For thrones are set there for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. This is your prayer. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls. Prosperity within your palaces. There's a prosperity doctrine. If you want a prosperity and peace in your life, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. If you find yourself anti-Semitic, you're in the wrong camp. You do not know your Savior. Jesus is Jewish. Jesus loves his people. And Jesus loves Jerusalem. And we need to pray for them and for their peace. For the sake of my brethren and companions, uh, I will now say peace be within you. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. So they've come off a long journey. They're, they're, they're tired from the battle in Psalm 120. They see the hills of Jerusalem. They're coming up close to it. They begin to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Just a wonderful progression in their hearts to be ready to worship God purely, purely. There's a reason God says, I want you to come three times a year. I need you to see everybody. I need you to worship together. It's important. Did God meet them on the road by themselves? And as they're walking in nature, did they notice the crow? And did they notice the cactus and whatever else they saw? Of course, you can worship God anywhere. That's absolutely true. And yet God says, you must come to Jerusalem three times a year. I need to see you and you need to see everybody. This corporate worship is very, very important. Very important for us to get together. And Satan loves to keep us from coming together and worshiping. Not that there's more strength and power, although I think there is a little bit for all of us to come together as a body of believers. But he doesn't want us disjointed and separated from each other. We rub each other the wrong way sometimes. We look at each other funny. We have vain imaginations about what other people are thinking of us when we're walking around in this place. Of course, that all takes place. You thought you were the only one. You're not. And more than likely, nobody's thought about you at all until they just saw you just now. <laughs> so be encouraged in that. Why didn't they say hi? Because they were thinking of something else. It's not because they hate you. you know. 
But as you stare at the back of each other's heads, begin to pray for one another. Not wonder why somebody didn't do something for you when you showed up, but begin to pray for the peace of those around you. They're going through things you, you don't even know what they're going through. There's young couples and families going through financial crisis right now in our fellowship. There's people dealing with all sorts of health issues. Some on you know uh, wonderful successes and, and healings, and others are, are not doing so well. We, we're lifting up Buddy, uh, you know, who's down in KU and and uh, has a has a tumor, and he's got to have surgery on Monday now, not today. They're going to do it on Monday, so that's the update on him. And, and we got Kim Watson, and he's up there, and he's got some bizarre disease, and I can make fun of him because he's a friend. But it's the weirdest thing to see what he's going through. But he's recovering too, I think, you know. David Spencer, blind in one eye, but he's so far okay, he can see out of it now, and they've done some surgery. Why didn't people say hi to you? <laughs> Maybe they didn't, literally didn't see you, you know. Maybe they literally can't get the pain out of their mind or something like that. We come together for a reason, and it's not to see who's going to bless me, but how can I bless them when I come together? How can I pray for them? I'm going to pray without them, even knowing that I'm praying for them. I see the back of their head. I don't think they washed their hair today. I'm going to pray for them anyway, you know? Pray for each other. Private worship is wonderful, but verse 4, where the tribes go up. They're seeing all the tribes, the 12 tribes of Israel. Hey, you know, there they are. There's Judah. There's Benjamin. There, what tribe are you from? I mean, they're just, talk about a family reunion. I mean, talk about cousins upon cousins upon cousins. Wow. It's important that we do that, to fellowship together. In Luke chapter, uh, let's see, nope, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25, it's, the standard one. You knew I was probably going to go here. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. We're going to need this more than ever as we see Jesus coming closer. In Ezra chapter 3 verse 1, the, the worship has begun again in Israel. And when the seventh month had come and the children of Israel were in the cities, the people gathered together as one man in Jerusalem. We have a lot of differences. All of us come from different places. Some of us are rich. Some of us are poor. Some of us are healthy. Some of us are sick. Some of us are men. Some of us are women. Some of us are young. Some of us are old. There's a lot of different ways you could divide this group up. But we come together for one reason. It's because we all love Jesus and we worship him. We all trust in him for our salvation. We can worship there, can't we? You know, that's a place of, of unity, unity in the spirit. Psalm 123. Unto you I lift my eyes, O you who dwell in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their masters, as the eyes of the maid to the hand of their mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until he has mercy on us. Have mercy on us, O Lord, have mercy on us, for we are exceedingly filled with contempt. Our soul is exceedingly filled with the scorn of those who are at ease, with the contempt of the proud. It's interesting use of the word mercy. For the most part, we think of it as not getting what we deserve as far as a punishment goes. But in this case, he's, he's saying, I'm filled with the memory. You know how it is. You can't get something out of your mind. Somebody said something or did something, and you felt like they had contempt for you, and oh, and you, re -go, you go over that scenario in your mind over and over and over again. They're dealing with that. 
Everybody has that problem, that loop that you run. I should have said this. I should have done that. Why did they say that? What was, you know, he said, I need mercy. Give me some mercy, relief from this. I need you to heal this feeling that I have, this, this loop that I'm going through, this difficulty that I'm going through. And they're coming to God, and, and, and what I focused on here was in a humble and submissive way, like a maid, you know, comes to her mistress, you know, like a servant comes to their master. We come to you that way, in a position of humility, not demanding, but in a position of humility. You don't have to. I work for you. I know that, God. I serve you. You're my king. I'm not king. You're not my genie. You're not my slave. You're not my servant. It's the other way around. Even though you wash my feet, that's an example to me. I want to come to you that way and Humble submissiveness, basically. God loves that when we come lowly. It's not because he loves us under his thumb. He just loves lowly people because he's lowly, he says. It looks like me. It is easy to talk to people that are like you, isn't it? It just is. They get you. We say that a lot. That's the new thing. You get me. You get me. You know. God gets you. you know, And he gets us, and we're in a relationship with him, better and easier conversations have when we're lowly like he is. Very important. In Luke chapter uh, 1, very beginning, 51 and 52, it's in Mary's Magnificent, her little beautiful song and prayer after discovering that she was going to bear the Christ. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. And she had previously called her soul, let, let the Lord's will be done to this lowly maid servant, is what he, she told God when she heard the news. And she sings about that. I don't deserve this, but you've given it to me. And of course, when she says that, you realize why he chose her. You know, ah, you know, they had a fellowship of lowliness. It's hard to come to God without that lowliness. I feel distant when I pray. I don't feel like he's listening to me. I don't think he heard my prayer. I don't think. Well, how did you come to him? Were you lowly? Or did you expect, demand? Now, you know. I want my kids to be blessed with as much as I can bless them with. I don't think that spoils a child. What spoils a child is when there's no gratitude. And there's an expectation upon it. That's, that's a child who's spoiled. A child who has things and stuff and joy and happiness and, and, and toys, you know, that's not a spoiled child. That's what a lot of people, oh, you, you, you're just spoiled. No, they're blessed. I mean, Israel, you're going to have your own house. You're going to have your own vine. You're going to have your own land. You're going to eat from your own. You spoiled. Boiled brats. No, they were very grateful. Well, for a while. Until they turned into spoiled brats. And the loss of gratitude was there. There's an expectation without any regard for the one blessing them, you see. Mary knew that this wasn't something she deserved or earned. She knew it was a blessing from God, and she gave great gratitude in lowliness. When I come to God with prayers, I want to come lowly. We're, we're, to, we're to do that. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, 
take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Can't find rest anyplace else but in those two places, gentleness and lowliness. That's where rest is. Pride does not bring rest. Pride is what brought down Satan. Pride is what ruins every servant, ruins every man of God or woman of God in the scriptures. Pride is the problem. Pride is the evidence and the, and the fingerprint of Satan. Pride. Peace, rest, comes with gentle, lowly people. It comes to gentle, lowly people. Psalm 124. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side. When men rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us alive. When their wrath was kindled against us, then the waters would have overwhelmed us. The stream would have gone over our souls. The swollen waters would have gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of our Lord who made heaven and earth. This person understands. Many people come to Christianity as a life hack. That's our new thing that we go through now, life hacks, you know. I like, the, I like the life hacks that are mocking life hacks, you know. <laughs> they throw a hot dog and a piece of Wonder Bread, and they said, my dinner, you know, follow me for more life hacks kind of thing. I get that. I think that's funny. I prefer that. The Bible isn't a life hack. People are trying to figure out, if I do this, if I follow this, if I can do this, then I'm going to gain this. The nation of Israel... It's the opposite, and the idea is the It's the same results, but the mindset has to be different. I worship God, and these things happen. It's not the other way around. I don't do these things, and, and, and worship happens, which is how we do it sometimes. Sometimes in our hearts, we can, I'll worship you more and deeply and be more thankful and grateful with more tears if you do these things for me over here. And so they come to the scriptures and they're trying to figure out how to, how to gain from doing. And he was, Jesus was very clear on this and spent a lot of time talking about this. And I, it'll help you tremendously with, so you don't have to go through all those ups and downs in your life as much anymore as far as your relationship with God goes. You don't have to do that anymore. You can be stable. You can be like a, a ship that's smooth and, and carrying on regardless of what's going on around you, you know, if you understand this. It's in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34, another cross-reference that's very long. Jesus says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body and what you will put on. Is not life more important than food? And the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow or reap. They neither gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to its stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. 
And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Here's the key. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. They're a result of a worshipful life. The worshipful life doesn't produce these things. They're a result of the worshipful life. If I place myself in God's hands and I walk with him, these things naturally take place. Make no mistake about it, though. The grass does die and the grass does go to the furnace. I mean, it perishes. It's eventually done. I think we get the wrong idea about, and some do, and maybe not everybody in this room, but that if I do everything right, there won't be any more of these other things that are wrong with me. And that's, that's not the promise. The goal of life is to worship God. The goal is not to worship God, to have life abundant, to have it easy, to have stuff and health and all these things. It's not that. There's a lot of faithful saints and lovely people who, who die from illnesses. They just do and get in car accidents and have horrible things happen to them. That isn't the point. It's the goal of everything I do on this earth is to have a worshipful life. That's the end. I want you to seek the kingdom of God. I want you to think about eternity. I want you to worship me because of who I am, not because of what you might get as a result. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The psalmist here knows that it was because we were following God that the, the Red Sea didn't collapse on us. And because the Jordan River didn't begin to flow again, it was because we were following God and his commands and his will that we were able to get to the destination he wanted us to get to. And they did, and that's the same for us. There's, there's, there's no change in, in what the Old Testament is speaking of here in our New Testament walk with Jesus. Worship is the prize. That's the goal. That's the treasure. Now, that causes people to pause sometimes. What do you mean that's the treasure? That's not why I came to Christ. I came to Christ because I want the treasure of. I'm worshiping God because I want to get treasure here, there, whatever. No, no, no. No, worshiping God in spirit and truth is, is the joy, is, is the goal line, is the finish line. That's it, to worship him. That's not enough. But that's what he wants, and that's what Christianity offers. Eternal worship of God. That's, that's what we're going to do. We're going to live forever eternally worshiping Jesus. And we can start that now, which I strongly encourage, and so does Jesus. Or when you die, you know. But if that sounds horrible to you and boring, and that's not why you came to Christ, and if he's not going to do this for me, then I don't want to have anything to do with him, you do need to reevaluate your salvation and why it is you came to Christ or why it is that you've decided to follow Jesus. Many people follow Jesus. 
5,000 people followed Jesus to get another piece of bread and another you know, piece of fish. 70 of them couldn't handle some of the things he taught and walked away from him when he talked about that it was his blood and his flesh that was going to have to save them from their sins. They didn't get that. Only 12, and they didn't have a clue either, stuck around. So we don't know what you're talking about either, but you have the words of eternal life. Where else are we going to go? And those guys that stuck around, well, they got enlightened for sure. They were the witnesses of the resurrection, the greatest miracle ever. So worship God. Do these psalms in your life. Make that ascent. Walk towards the hills, you know, as these guys are. and Play this playlist in your mind. It only gets better as we go through. We've got 10 more to go, and we'll probably, I'm going to try to keep doing five each week so you can kind of read ahead if you want to. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning and the time we've had in your word. The psalmist's heart to write what was personal to them but made public for all to sing. We benefit from that this morning. And Lord, in our own personal walk and worship of you, God, we pray that it would be made public in the sense that people would recognize it and see that walk with you and be blessed by it and want to follow and sing similar songs to let you do similar things in their lives. That they might worship you in spirit and truth just because you're worthy of worship, not because of anything you're going to receive back, but because because you're worthy. This morning we worship you, God. We love you. Thank you for all you've done for us. We expect and deserve nothing more, but there you are. You are a giver. You are someone who blesses, and we thank you for that, Lord. We're, we're very thankful for that this morning. Lord, I pray that you help those that are going through all the different things. Too many to name, probably, but health issues, Lord. Relationship issues, financial issues. Their own mind, their own heart. Struggles in their own inability to walk with you consistently. All these things, God, we lift up to you and pray that you'd help as a father can do. And uh, we love you and thank you for being that kind of father that's always ready to listen, always ready to help. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer before you go, please come up. Be glad to pray with you. Otherwise, have a good rest of the week.